0: Welcome to Hablamos, Conversations on Teaching, Learning, and Biomultilingualism, the podcast of the icme Project at the University of Nebraska-Linco. As mentioned in the name, the main goal of this podcast is to embrace multilingualism, so we are going to have conversation around this topic in the classroom and how teachers can support biomultilingual development. I'm Araceli Lobato, and I will be your host So, I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hi everybody, today we have a special treat with us. She is a professor here at University of Nebraska Lincoln in the TLTE department. And she is Dr. Teresa Catalano So she's going to introduce herself a little bit so you can be able to know her. So welcome uh, to our podcast. Um, We are very glad that you are here. So today we can talk each other. So what can you tell us about yourself?
1: Good morning or good afternoon. I don't know (laughs) what time people will be listening to this. Yes, I'm Teresa Catalano or Teresa, if that's easier. Um, I actually go by both names. I'm a professor here at in the Department of Teaching, Learning, and Teacher Education okay. at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and my specialty is in uh, language education. So I have a Ph.D. in second language acquisition and teaching, and my master's was in English ling- uh, language and linguistics. And actually, I was an elementary education teacher. My bachelor's degree was in elementary education, and I had a minor in uh, Italian. hmm and let's see what else I've taught uh, in pretty much almost every context possible, <laughs> from kindergarten to sixth grade. I taught English as a second language. I also taught fifth grade. I taught in a community college. I've taught adult education in high school. I at, at South High School in Omaha. Um, I've taught. Uh, English as a second language, English as a foreign language. In Turkey, I've taught Italian for 12 years at two different universities, Uh, and then obviously I'm teaching uh, doctoral and graduate level courses, as well as undergraduate courses here at UNL. I teach uh, intercultural communication, linguistics, uh, multimodal analysis, foreign language methods, anything that relates to language.
0: Wow, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if a person can handle everything, um, everything that you have t- told us in such a short period of <laughs> your life. <laughs> because she doesn't look very old, guys. So. <laughs> so what would you like to to tell to our listener about our bilingualism or multilingualism? because uh our podcast as you know it's related to to that we we encourage our uh, interviewees to talk about those stuff so what would you like to tell them
1: yeah so today i thought i'd just talk about you know living in a multilingual world um, and perspective from somebody who's multilingual and so i'm going to give you the perspective of myself as a learner a student and just a normal person because as we know there are actually more multilinguals in the world than monolinguals. And actually, after reading Kanagaraja's work,
0: mm-hmm. I don't
1: think there are any monolinguals in the world. I think that people all speak different registers and varieties of languages. So I would count those too. Um, but I think there's some things that people that are largely just operating in one, uh, you know, so-called labeled language. Mm-hmm. Um, aren't really uh, conscious of, or they're not aware how people's lives really are different in some ways, uh, very small ways, but sometimes more significant ways. Um, so I thought I'd just talk about that first from the point of view of being a, a learner or a student myself, or just in my daily activities. Mhm. Sounds good. Yeah, so um, I think being bilingual, um, you know, people say sometimes it seems like you have two different personalities. I think when you're multilingual, it's like you're schizophrenic or you have split, <laughs> split personalities you you know and the reason is um you know you don't just change the words you use you change a whole different way of looking at things and acting um mm-hmm. because you know for example the way you greet people is totally different depending on the language you're using um, you know, the way that you even might approach offering something to somebody when they come into your house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Italy, there's a tradition of uh, if someone offers you something, usually you sh- the, the common things is to, to decline first, mm-hmm. to say no, because that's the polite thing is you wait yeah. for someone to offer several, several times, times before you accept. But in the United States, um, sometimes mm-hmm. if you do that, people feel like you're very pushy. <laughs> and, and of course, I'm... I'm you know i'm i recognize that i cannot say people in the united states would all act you know everybody's different yeah but different. it's
0: the normal thing like the most common thing
1: yeah but it is something that might happen so yeah i think that, that that's very interesting it's it's this way in which you just kind of change your whole even the way you talk and the different pitch that you have i've heard people say you know you sound so much nicer in this language or <laughs> something like that I'm, oh really okay um but also, you know, as a learner, uh, I think pe- people need to know that, you know, our languages are constantly changing in, in terms of our, how the proficiency, how mm-hmm. good we feel, how comfortable we feel in them. Yeah. And it just depends on wh- how where you're living at the time and, and who you're in contact with and how much, you know, uh, I think people forget that mul- even multilinguals have anxiety sometimes about, um, you know, using different languages. I think, you know, I'm comfortable in, in three languages that I use almost daily, but then I have, you know, four or five other languages that I can use at different occasions. So I'll give you an example. A week ago, I was at a birthday party and there were, uh, some people from Togo there. And so there was a woman, uh, an elderly woman who's English. She, you could tell she wasn't as comfortable. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, attempted to use my horrible French and, (laughs) You know, I had a little bit of, you know, stress thinking, you know, oh, what's that word? And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what am I, you know, how do I say this? You know, but... Uh, because I,
0: you wanted to please her. But exactly. at the same time, you were a little bit uncomfortable because you it's spent a lot of time since you right. you didn't use your French. Exactly. So for our listening, because maybe they are going to be a little bit lost, can you tell us how many languages can you speak? <laughs> well, I... I
1: only say that I speak well, I mean, it's Italian, Spanish, and English, but mm-hmm. I've studied a lot of languages, and I would say the ones that I feel like I could actually, I can actually talk, talk. in are um, French and uh, Turkish, and um, right now I, I'm picking up Portuguese again. I think pretty nice. soon I might be able to <laughs> get by a little bit, although right now it's more listening. I can understand a lot. Um, But then I've also studied just recently, uh, two weeks ago, I studied (laughs) Dutch and Serbian Croatian, uh, uh, Serbo-Croatian and Bosnian, which actually are the same language, but they're just now making them seem much different so that they can distinguish between peoples. But that's another story. Um, Um, Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I've also studied Urdu, Dari. Uh, Urdu is spoken in Pakistan. Dari is spoken in Afghanistan.
0: I lost my my count right now. How many languages? But studied <laughs> meaning
1: meaning brief flings with them okay. and Chinese. I had a brief oops, had a brief you know time period mm-hmm. of, and also German. I forgot German, I, and it's weird because this is another part of being multilingual. Like on my iPhone. I have a lot of songs, <laughs> and then a Chinese recording will come up, or a German. I have German all the time, and I just I just force myself to listen to it, but I can't, you know, I can recognize some things, but, you know, I studied German for a brief time because my daughter was
0: mm-hmm. living
1: in Germany, and I really wanted to speak to her host family. So, I mean, and then and then I just, life got busy, and I left it, and that, that's, you know, one of those things that I think a lot of people do. They try to pick up, you know, something, Sounds and then fun. as you get older, it's harder to get I feel like it's harder to become more fluent because I just don't have the time that I had when I was younger to, mm-hmm. you know, immerse myself in another. If I if I were able to travel and live in other countries more, yeah, you know, I did that great. when I was younger, but now I don't have as much time to actually stay mm-hmm. in those places. So the other thing I was going to mention is about the iPhone,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is I don't pe- think people have any idea. You know, I, I'm just saying this because I. I'm always making excuses for myself <laughs> because on the iPhone, you know, you can change the keyboard yeah. for, to different languages, right? Mm-hmm. I have something like seven or eight different keyboards on my phone. And sometimes, it, and I do that because I, I text my tutors mm-hmm. <laughs> and students of mine that want to practice French with me and whatever, I, I have needed the languages. Need it, I didn't yeah. just add them, <laughs> I added them because I use them. And, but the phone will just take a life of its own and, and sometimes it'll just change languages on me. And then I send a text and I look down and it's this horrible <laughs> gibberish. And my friends are like, what is that? Oh, it was in Spanish mode or it was in German. Yeah, I feel that sometimes. Ah, it's <laughs> embarrassing. I mean, those little things like that, how you have to just change back and forth from a keyboard mm-hmm. all the time. And, and knowing how to use the accents and knowing how to use different characters you know, that affects your daily life, working on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is music. Um, you know, I have and recipes and, you know, just little things about my life are, are in lots of different languages because I can use them. You know, like I have recipes in Spanish because I have f- – Spanish-speaking friends have given me their recipes and uh, or that I've had to look things up and I could look it up in Spanish and find it, but not in
0: English. Not in English. That's one of the advantage that we have when we are able to speak more than one language, that we are able to access to different content in different languages. So that's, that's pretty right. good. That's right. And, and music, too, I think,
1: um, you know... I, listening to music from different countries and different in different languages is really um it just comes naturally when you're moving Mm -hmm. back and forth among languages in your daily life why wouldn't you also have music on your iphone or you know things on your fridge or you know um obviously you you're gonna have a language that's more used than others depending on but that changes wherever you are and whoever you're you know like uh, when i was young i didn't speak italian at home but now i speak italian at home so things like that you know you'd be surprised how they can change and then the last thing i wanted to say about um from a you know a normal person personal or life. <laughs> yeah personal life being a multilingual <laughs> yeah it's just that that every day you're you're opened up to so many new worlds because um you can read in so many different languages so with the internet you know when I pull up the paper in the morning I pull up <laughs> New York Times Washington Post then I go to two Italian <laughs> papers that Corriere de la Sera and La Repubblica sometimes I check El País sometimes I mm-hmm. check Mexican paper sometimes I check uh Le Monde if I want to know something that's yeah. happening in French. in French and um what's the other one I check the Guardian, I like that. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's also English. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it's shocking, you know. Sometimes you can get a totally different news uh, perspective. Uh, from from one paper, and and then it'll show up three days later in another paper in another country, or it'll be in the bottom. The positioning of news articles really tells you what's important or what what readers might think is important in that country, and and I think it just gives you really great, you know, kind of more overall view mm-hmm. of, of how something is perceived by the public instead of just thinking how it's perceived by one group of people you can see how the rest of the world thinks. Sense. Um, yeah and and so I mean it's not just news I mean it could be about anything but uh, I think that's just one fantastic thing about you know knowing other languages that you can open up that possibility. And I would say to those of you that are out there thinking Well, that's great, you know, but I, Mm -hmm. you know, I only speak one language language. (laughs) and I don't have much time. And I, you know, it's it's not too late. I would just say, you know, if you really want it, you can do it. I didn't I didn't become bilingual that I would really say bilingual till I was 20. Mm -hmm. And I just shot up from there. And uh, that's because I studied abroad, and I stayed, and I lived in another country. And if you can have that opportunity, if you can't, though, you know, I think about my Spanish, too. I never actually lived in a Spanish-speaking country. I've had so many friends that are Spanish speakers that, you know, I've spent so much time with, and I've been to many Mm Spanish-speaking countries. But my Spanish, which is still developing and (laughs) still can be much, much better, Uh, but it's been over 25 years that I've been working on it. So
0: you know, it's made progress from the very beginning when I first, you know, began to it. Yeah, it's not something it. that you wake up and you are able to speak another language. It's something that takes you a little bit of time, but it doesn't mean that you cannot do it. It's That's just right. you just have to invert a little bit of time. And if you don't know anybody that speaks the language that you want to talk, you, um, there are different apps that um, we use, like hello talk for instance it's one yeah. that you yeah. can it's it's like tinder quotation mark but it's not for dating it's we yes speak is
1: another one we speak is i like we speak even better we because speak hello talk yeah. i think you have to be 18 but we speak uh-huh. you don't so um, yeah, those kind of apps that you can use that actually connect you with someone else that, that want you to s-
0: yeah that want to learn another language so and they you are can exchange yeah.
1: languages with them and that's a fantastic way you know even if you can't go to another country but you know you'd be surprised how many you know once you learn a language how many people end up just showing up that mm-hmm. <laughs> speak that language, that, that language in your own place but you know I would say though. I think it's important to get to a certain level with your language mm-hmm. because if you if you're not proficient enough that you feel comfortable or that people feel like they can actually yeah, understand you, you, then it's hard sometimes to get people who speak English to want to talk to you when yeah. when they can communicate so much better with you in English. Why should they sit there and wait ten minutes for you to produce a word? <laughs> 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 and I'm thinking of myself in some you know some of the languages that I've studied, and it's just like. But,
0: you know, you but can if you never tried, you're st- not going to get it. Right, so. <laughs> and you can structure
1: these times and taking a class at the same time. Exactly. I mean, there are, just, there are a lot of ways to do it. But I would say just don't give up, you know, keep, keep trying if you really want to. It's not too late. It's never too late. When I taught Italian at the University of Nebraska, um, I had probably half of my class were professors that were either retired or had, you know, were later on in their careers. And they, mm-hmm. they were going to Italy for, for tourism or for whatever reason. And they came and it was unbelievable how fast, you know, because a lot of them were, you know, well, they were smart. (laughs) They were were language learners themselves. And, and, um, you know, they they picked up really well. And, they, I mean, they did better than, you know, many other students in the class. And they were able to use language because they were so motivated. Mm -hmm. They wanted to use it and then they they were going there. and, And so I would just say, you know, no matter how old you are or whatever your situation is, don't give up. Sadly.
0: That's the best advice that you can give <laughs> <gave> us. <laughs>
1: okay, so the other thing I, or other angle I wanted to talk about in terms of multilingualism is being a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I have actually been really fortunate in that I've traveled to, I would say, eight or nine, maybe ten different countries and visited schools there. Wow. And s- studied about how uh, people in different countries um, help immigrant students in their classes students that are actually that need to learn the the language yeah, sure. the dominant language in that country and I just came back from Amsterdam I was there just a couple weeks ago and one thing that really impressed me was that uh, all of the teachers that we met in the in they have these what they call newcomer classrooms mm-hmm. which in in uh, Holland I guess it varies but for the most part they have a newcomer tract where in each school ha- or Particular schools that are targeted have uh, um, classrooms just for students so that are people. newly arriving, and they're they're in that class and they focus mainly on just learning Dutch for a year to a year and a half, and then yeah. they then they go into the the general classroom. Um, and they also have, I think, art and music and things like that with other students. But mm-hmm. but they spend a lot of time just learning the language and the structure of the language and being able to understand before they put them in a the class. And what struck me is that. All the teachers that we encountered there um, ha- had at least a very communicative knowledge of English. So not only were they they were going with Dutch, but they already had another language that some of the children in their classes could speak. Understand. And so they would they would start with everything. Well, first we see if the student speaks English, mm-hmm. because then we can <laughs> use English to help them to understand, help them. right? And then they had because there were a lot of Dutch. Uh, people also speak other languages you know they they kind of had a pool among the school of who okay so-and-so speaks Spanish so-and-so speaks Portuguese Mm -hmm. so-and-so speaks Arabic and they would you know if they got desperate or they needed to work with a teacher or they if they you know if there was a a way that they could get that teacher to help them with uh, they they could because there were so many people there that spoke different languages besides English so it struck me as here in the in the United States you know uh, I don't think it's as common, and it depends on where you are, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, for all the teachers, to be able to say that all the teachers are, are bilingual at mm-hmm. least, you know, and I was struck by what an incredible advantage that is. Uh, because they're, they're already starting with, you know, one more possibility of being able to help communicate, you know, when there are issues, issues and, yeah. and help that student understand. Um. When I was there, I actually there was a student that was uh, from Brazil, and then there was a Turkish student. So I had a chance to <laughs> pull to out your Portuguese yeah. and
0: your <laughs> and I'll tell you, it was
1: terrible because what I realized, and this is another thing that goes back to the daily life of being multilingual, is that when you are really focused on learning a language, you know, two week, in the beginning of May, I was in in Croatia and Bosnia and I Mm -hmm. was trying hard for about a week to learn some daily survival phrases Mm -hmm. and I actually had to use them and then when I was in Holland we had two Dutch lessons and I was really trying hard as you can ask my colleagues I was extremely (laughs) competitive about this I really wanted to learn Um, and then I found myself in this classroom and I Wanted to be able to say something to this guy from Brazil because you know he nobody spoke Portuguese in the class in and class. he w- you know he was new and it was hard, and but when I tried to pull out the words you know because Dutch was just so much in my brain I was trying so hard to focus on that it it just took so long to pull out especially Turkish mm-hmm. I couldn't remember a thing and wow. <laughs> you know like a blank out for you know and then afterwards I remembered some things but I think that. That just tells you, you know, your, your brain, you know, often you focus on this new task, and it puts a lot of energy into something. And the other languages kind of get backgrounded. You're, the other languages that you consider foreign languages. Mm-hmm. Now, I think when you get to a higher proficiency level, and this is, you know, when you look in multilingualism research, this will back me up <laughs> what I'm saying, and you know that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the... It wasn't a problem, it wouldn't be a problem with Italian or Spanish or English because those are languages I, I feel very comfortable with mm-hmm. and I'm not in a, a learning mode. But what we call this, we, we refer to this as foreign language status or foreign mm-hmm. language effect, that that we kind of group in our brain the languages that we're studying. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why sometimes we transfer from those languages or we, you know, so when I was trying so hard with Dutch, it kind of, you know, Occupied was, that space in my brain where I was learning languages. Right. So and uh, one other thing I wanted to point out, and I, I've just got Amsterdam on my brain, but <laughs> <laughs> when we were there, there were some students from Ghana. And because I have a friend from Ghana, and I know that he speaks Ewe language Mm -hmm. you know I'm I have this awareness that there are other languages besides the you know official language of English English. right Mm -hmm. now these kids spoke English but Mm -hmm. uh I asked them you know what other language did they speak and I was able they didn't even understand what I was trying to get at Mm -hmm. and but because I was able to say Ebe, or you know are you Ashanti um and then I found out they speak tree which I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly but um and they got so excited that I, you knew it, oh, and their eyes open and and um, you know so just little things like recognizing you know someone validating their home mm-hmm. languages which they didn't even expect anyone to even you know consider or recognize at all. I I think I first realized the importance of this just this spring when I, I think I told you about this before, but when I took my children to a. Uh, Uh, dance uh, performance Mm -hmm. uh, by Momix and they were playing lots of international music but at the very beginning they did the announcements in Italian uh, about putting your cell phone away (laughs) and I watched my children and the looks on their faces were just amazing I mean they were so in shock and joy from you know hearing their home language in a public space you know and it made me realize I, I forget that you know they, they just don't expect to hear that in, in this the content. United States, in, in Nebraska, in, Nebraska, in yeah. a public place. And so they were just so excited and happy about that that it made me think, you know, those little things like that for our students, those are just, you know, just doing a little research and finding out and asking exactly. some questions. And y- it makes them know, think that you really do care and that you do Know
0: them, you know. It's just yeah, one aspect that can make an impact in your students. Uh, they are not gonna be used to someone knows those stuff about them. So if you show them these things, they they are gonna take you into account and they are gonna start to respect you. I I will say because um, it's something different. It's something that um, because they are not used to that. So when they can hear something related to their context, um, it make an impact in them. So I I will say that it's not being able to speak the language because it's impossible if you have a classroom with different um, nationalities there. It's impossible to speak all of them. But just know about them, know about their countries, their backgrounds, um, and the things that are around them. Maybe even
1: learn a word or two, you know. Exactly. That you could say, or what's a holiday that's coming up that you could
0: ask Mm -hmm. them about, or
1: you know, just even one word goes such a long way in in, uh, just trying to show the student that you care, um, or even just being able to ask them about what what particular language and throw out a couple possible languages that the student might speak. Mm -hmm. They might be shocked
0: that you would know that. That you know that. That shows that you cared enough to look that up. And it was happened to you with those students in Amsterdam, they, they were shocked because they didn't expect that someone from America knows those stuff, I <laughs> right. suppose. <laughs> right, right, I, and I think they
1: had gotten that too because people d- just went with, okay, they speak English. Mm-hmm, and exactly. didn't think that these students are from Africa and they probably have some other local languages local that languages. they possibly speak. Not always, but sometimes, you know, often. And the fact that you knew that is something, or that I knew that is, something that surprised them I think mm-hmm. in, in a positive way. I think one other thing or I guess there's two other things I wanted to point out that okay. um, helped you out as a teacher is that I think you can get things across much easier to your students uh, when you're by your multilingual because you've had lots of practice trying to communicate in languages you don't know as well as your first <laughs> so you begin to learn all these strategies because you've had to do them out of desperation and yeah. out of you know you know how to repeat you know how to rephrase things how to you know circumlocute and and all these types of strategies you get better and better at it because you you practice it all the time you have especially when you're working in you know languages you don't know well at all um and then the other thing is uh you know language and culture go hand in hand so when you when you have knowledge of these other languages you're learning cultural aspects that might also help you with your students too you know for example like that some of your students from these countries might not eat pork mm-hmm. um, for example I, I, I think a lot of people know that uh, Muslims or, or mm-hmm. Jews don't eat pork but I don't know if many people know that people in Ghana for example don't Usually eat pork. That that's not mm-hmm. a meat that that's common there. That surprised me. No, but I found that out because, not because I'm multilingual, but because I <laughs> have a, because I have a friend from Ghana. But uh, you know those kind of little things that you might be aware of. For example, that you know a particular holiday time. You know, that, or that someone might be fasting at this time, or
0: um, yeah, many things that are related to culture that we may know don't know. So, but they are important to them and and for their families. So it's important to take into account for sure.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's all I had to say. I don't know if you have any questions or anything. else.
0: I think we are very happy to have you here. And I think this conversation people and teachers especially can learn a lot about this conversation. So thank you so much for giving your time to us because we know that you are very busy at the time so <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate it and if you wanted to contact her and send her some emails or just ask her more question about the thing that she is talking you can go to the um, podcast notes and uh, it will be the ema- her email there so thank you so much can thank you, you say so nice to be here. thank you or goodbye <laughs> in some of the languages yeah, that you know
1: okay uh, Let's see. Grazie. Uh, okay. Merci. Teşekkür. Um, Teşekkürler. That's in Turkish. Um, uh uh-huh. Let's see. What else? Oh, in Dutch.
0: Dankjewel. Um, uh, okay.
1: Uh, let's
0: see. That can Dankeschön. Mm. I learned that Feeling from... Vielen dank <laughs> in
1: German. Uh, let's see. What else? In Dari. Um, oh, I guess I said that. Teşekkür. Shukria. I think that's Urdu. Wow. Um, Shishi. oh that's terrible in <laughs> Chinese domo <laughs> arigato I only one word or a couple words in Japanese let's see anything else oh and um, oh, I forgot in Bosnian Wait a
0: minute that's her b- multilingual brain yeah, working <laughs> see I've already erased <laughs> I've
1: already erased it I'll think about it in a minute anyway yeah um, so thanks very
0: much ciao ci vediamo Okay. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Gracias.